Every so often, I will say, Lord, in your mercy and grace, please respond, hear our prayers. Let us pray. Dearest Father, thank you for your great love for us. Thank you that when we were still far off, you met us in your Son and brought us home. Thank you that through Jesus, we can know that love and live in it. Thank you, Lord, that you hear and answer our prayers. We thank you especially for Elizabeth's mum, Hermie, that she's been able to return home from hospital, and we continue to pray for her recovery. Thank you for the Recovering Truth course last Saturday, for the opportunity to get back to the truths of your gospel and thus to live in freedom. Sovereign Lord, knowing that you hear our prayers, we turn to you first for our world. We pray for all affected by the earthquake and tsunami in Japan. Lord, will you comfort and bring peace to all who have lost loved ones or who still have family and friends missing. May you draw many to yourself at this terrible, painful time. We also lift to you the nuclear reactors at Fukushima and pray that you would stabilise them now so that no further damage or loss of life occurs. We think also of Libya and pray for a speedy resolution to this crisis and for peace. As the world attempts to uphold a no-fly zone and sends in aircraft, we pray for the situation to resolve, not to escalate further. And we ask your protection over the many civilians just trying to go about their daily lives for no more loss of life. Lord, in your mercy and grace, hear our prayer. Lord, we're also acutely aware of the struggles and the decisions to be made here in the UK. Particularly, Lord, we pray for wisdom for the politicians regarding the NHS reforms. May they, those who know you seek your will in this, and may your hand be on every meeting discussing it. We pray that whatever the outcome, those with the most need will not be neglected, and that resources will be used wisely. We also pray for those in our country struggling because of the recession, and particularly those in our own community in Hammersmith and Fulham. Again, we ask for wisdom for local and national government in the decisions they make, which impact jobs and benefits. We pray for hope for those who have lost it, that they may know that you love them, that you have a plan for them, and that you will provide. Lord, in your mercy and grace, hear our prayer. We turn our thoughts now to this your church here in Parsons Green. We thank you that you are at work amongst us. Lord, we want to commit to you the planned events of the next few weeks. As Alpha continues, Lord, will you reveal yourself and your truth to each person on that course, that they may come to a real and living faith in you. For the marriage MOT day, we ask that you would speak into the lives of each couple that attends, 
how much you love and value them, their strengths and weaknesses. Lord, may you refresh them and renew their desire and ability to serve you in their relationship, their families, their jobs, and in this church. Lord, we ask for your provision for this, your church. We realize that we can do nothing without you. And we pray that you would fill each of us with your spirit, that we are equipped in every way to serve you each day and to be obedient to you. We commit our finances and our building to you and trust you for all that we need. We pray too, Lord, for any who have lost loved ones or who have those who are ill or in hospital. We pray that you would bring them comfort and strength in their time of trouble and give them your peace. Lord, in your mercy and grace, hear our prayer. Let's now pray the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. May thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Thank you, Sarah. I think you'll agree that it's such a blessing to be led in our prayers and by those who um, put so much preparation into, uh, into leading them for us. And so um, we can give thanks for everybody who leads us in our prayers this morning. And we can give thanks for Alan, who's about to lead us from, from the scriptures this morning. Thank you. Um, you might want to turn in your green Bibles to page 908. Uh, we're looking at Malachi. Uh, and it's always good if you follow the reading too, so that you can hear what God's saying to you. Malachi chapter 3, that's on page 908. This is the last of the prophets before Jesus. We're starting at verse 6, chapter 3, verse 6. I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you've turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I'll return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God, yet you rob me? But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You're under a curse, your whole nation, because you're robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I'll prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. 
Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Brilliant. Alan, thank you very much. And uh, just as we keep that open, Malachi chapter 3. Let's uh, bow our heads and ask God to speak to us through uh, his word this morning. Father, we love that you've given us uh, scripture, holy inspired writing to feed and nurture our soul and spirit. So we pray that you speak to our minds, but you go deep by your your spirit into our spirits this morning. Give us revelation and insight. Lord, as deep calls to deep that you speak with us this morning and enable us to hear you for the sake of your name. Amen. I think this can happen to anyone. I certainly recognize when it's uh, happened to me in the past, I bet it's happened to each of you. It's happening to the people of Israel here. God, through his messenger, Malachi, Malachi means my messenger, God is speaking to the people, various oracles, various warnings, if you like, about the way in which they live their lives, about the way in which they worship, about the way in which they are with one another. I think the people have grown disappointed, spiritual disappointment. And it's borne out, so you can sort of read between the lines of this uh, short little, it's just a couple of pages, isn't it, the book of Malachi. But he, he, God's not happy with them. And I think the reason why he's not happy with them is because their lives are demonstrating and, and, and bearing out what I want to call a spiritual disappointment. It happened to them, I think it happens to us. And God has got an antidote. And I'm going to invite some people in just a few minutes to come and share and, and sort of fill in, testify to the God's antidote. But let's just get to the diagnosis. Chapter 1, he, he talks about their offerings when they come to worship. You're bringing, uh, where is it? Let's just look at it. It's just over the page. Verse 8, you offer blind animals for sacrifice. Is that not wrong when you, when you sacrifice or a, lamb, a lame or diseased animals? Is that not wrong? He says, you know, you wouldn't do that with your boss. Try doing that with your boss. You wouldn't dare, but you do that with me. And to the priests, he's got a bit of a rant to the priests as well. You've not been teaching well. You've not been caring sufficiently for my family. He has a bit of a rant about uh, the breakdown in marital relationships and the ease of divorce. It's, it's not so much that's just a symptom of the deeper disease. A break in covenant relationships on the horizontal, indicative of a break of covenant relationships in the vertical. You, you're kind of distant from me. The disappointment is because the people of Israel had hoped for a particular outcome. See, this is um, Malachi speaking post-exile. So they've returned from exile, they're back in the land, they're back with the temple, they've rebuilt the walls. And they have hoped 
for the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy, this messianic age full of, of fruitfulness and victory and abundance. And they look around and the, the, the things that they had hoped for, what that would actually look like in their lives and in their city and in their nation don't appear to have come to pass. Disappointment. Disappointment. And so God says, actually, you've slipped into going through the motions in your worship. You're going through the motions in your relationships. It, it's just a kind of, you bring, yes, you bring sacrifices. Y yes, you come to the temple. Yes, you do all the things that are set out in the law, but your heart's not in it. And your heart's not in it, in effect, he's saying, because there's disillusion, disappointment, and elements of despair. And God is calling them to account. He's weary of it. Look at chapter 2, verse 17, just above where, it, where we read. Verse 17, you, you've wearied the Lord with your works. And do you notice their response? How have we wearied him? And actually that's a refrain of the people through the prophet. Time and again, the Lord says, I've got this, and I've got that, and I've got the other. And they say, well, what do you mean? What do you mean, how? In the reading we had, you're robbing God. How are we robbing God? It's so subtle that the people aren't fully aware of it in their own lives. And as I read of the people here in Malachi's time, I, I, I inspect my own heart. I, I come to church. I read my Bible. I meet with others. But actually, is it, is it duty rather than delight? Has it become something of a chore? Has my heart slunk away from it? Spiritual disappointment. When we pray and we don't seem to see the answer to the prayers as we imagined, when we long for some kind of change in circumstance or situation at home or at work and it doesn't happen as we imagined it might. In short, when we put our hope in an outcome and the outcome doesn't come to pass, we become prey to spiritual disappointment. And what the Lord is effectively saying through Malachi to them there then and to us here now is to focus, to come back to me. Verse uh, 6. Oh, sorry, verse 7. Right at the bottom of the page. Return to me and I'll return to you, says the Lord Almighty. Don't focus on an outcome. Focus on the person. Focus on the Lord, your first love. Come back to me, he says. The first step to avoiding spiritual disappointment. There are three commands in the little passage that we read. That's the first one. Return to me. It's not an invitation. It's a command. Return to me. How? <laughs> the people ask. How are we to return? And so he goes into this uh, particular prescription here. Second command is bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Antidote to spiritual disappointment through despair is to return to the Lord. And it's to bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Will spoke eloquently last week 
on uh, tithing as understood by the Old Testament and in through to the New. I, I commend his talk, it's on the website. Uh, these books are at the back, these are the booklets. Please do take them uh, if they would help you. The Grace of Giving, uh, written by John Stock. Ten little pointers to uh, the, the gift, actually, of being able to give. The Grace of Giving, Ten Principles for Christian Giving. They're on the table at the back. And alongside them, uh, just a paper that we have here, Giving to God, Resourcing His Church. Um, this paper here, and I'd love to commend this to you. It, just, it, it gives some of the background to, to Will's talk last week and to the background of this, uh, this command here to bring the tithe into the storehouse. What did that mean? What was the implication? What was the result of the nation doing that? I commend them just in this little season of stewardship as a church. Forgive me if you're a visitor here, um, although I hope you'll be gladdened to know that we, from time to time, not all the time, but from time to time, we just pay attention to the way in which we steward all the things that God has given us. Uh, so I commend those two, that booklet and that sheet, as we seek to understand this second command, bring the whole tithe, the whole of yourselves effectively, into the storehouse. And thirdly, and finally, before I invite one or two others up, God commands us with this. Test me in this. You see it there in... Uh, where is it? Verse 10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Test me in this. God, I don't think, is inviting us to test him. Period. We're to trust him. But in this particular area, he says, test me in this. Test me in my generosity. Test me in my provision. Test me in my faithfulness. Test me at my word. Are you willing to break a barrier of fear? Unbelief? Just break a, a habit of a lifetime? to step through that barrier, to risk as you test God. To not hold back in order to prevent spiritual disappointment, but to press in to Him. All sorts of ways in which we do it. I remember the first time I prayed a prayer out loud. I didn't rely on a prayer that had been written down by someone else maybe centuries ago or formed by some kind of committee to compile a prayer book. I remember the first time I broke a barrier of fear and of kind of self-awareness, and I kind of stumbled out a few words that effectively were a prayer from my heart to the Lord. My mouth went all dry. I was sort of quite self-conscious. But it broke something in my relationship with the Lord. And, and I, I kind of nailed a particular avenue to spiritual disappointment by just wearying the Lord with kind of endless recitals of words that bypass my heart and my soul. I remember the first time in worship I, I raised a hand, I felt really self-conscious. Two hands, my goodness me. I kind of thought, you know, when I go to a football match and these blokes kick a ball into a net, I, with my whole body I express joy, <laughs> a burst of exuberance. If I can do that to a whole load of overpaid young men on the field over there, then why can I not do that 
to the living God who's given me everything. And so I, I don't care what other people will think. I don't care. I'm going to just, I'm going to break a barrier here. And something's released in me and freed in me. I remember the first time I decided to, to give on a regular basis a proportion of my income. On the basis of, of this text here and others too. This is ridiculous. I, I need all the money I can get. Test me in this, says God. No, you don't. <laughs> I'll provide for you when you give to me first. Will spoke about the first fruits. Test me in this. Break the barriers. Step out and see if he won't pour open the floodgates of heaven. I want to give an opportunity for one or two members of our church family who, in a sense, have been either... Um, by default or by design, testing God. I mean, things have happened in their lives. Uh, certainly Ruth, the first one, Ruth, I can invite you up. Uh, it's been going through a terrible time through uh, work. And I won't invite her to, to, to all those details. I know there are some people who know. But within that, God has provided wonderfully for her. Ruth. I think that's right. Most of you know I've been through a terrible situation which has resulted in my losing my home, my job, my career, my reputation. I've been stripped of virtually everything in my finances. But God is amazingly good. He has provided over the last year in wonderful ways. But I don't want to focus on some of the little things because God this week did an amazing thing that I told Tim about in the middle of the week um, and just demonstrates so really how God, through his amazing love, can provide so abundantly. My house is currently on the market. It's due to exchange on the sale this week, and I leave it in about two weeks' time. And I have, through some wonderful Christian brothers and sisters, been provided a room in somebody's home. So I was, after nearly 30 years of owning my own property, going back to being a student, effectively, and living in a room, and I was worried about where I was going to store all the furniture and pictures and piano in my beautiful home that I'm letting go of. And just this week, I had a phone call from one of the friends um, who, of my sister, who I've also known for about 40 years. And she rang up and she said, I've heard from your sister Elizabeth that you're looking for somewhere to live. And uh, we've just bought our dream home. But unfortunately, we haven't sold our own home. And the house has just been broken into, the new house. We would love somebody to live in it for us until we sell our own home. Would you like to live in it? Now, the amazing abundance doesn't stop there. When I tell you this house, where this house is, and what it is, and what it comes with, this house is a seven-bedroom house. It sits opposite Wimbledon Park, the golf course, and the lawn tennis club, with an amazing view. It has probably the largest garden in Wimbledon, and it comes with its own gardener. And not only that, do I get a seven-bedroom house with a gardener. She said, would you like a car? And I said, but I've got no money. She said, oh, no, 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 we'll put you on the insurance. My son's away for a year, have the car. So God has provided with me with a home that I don't have to pay a cent for. I have a beautiful garden. I have a beautiful view. I have room to store all my furniture. I have room to be at home. And... Truly, this is an answer to prayer, an amazing demonstration of God's abundant love. It's more than ever I needed or even wanted. It's beyond my expectation. It's just absolutely mind-blowing. God is so good. Praise so God. good. Praise God. Thank you. Ruth. Praise God. Hallelujah. 
and amid severe test and trial, that just the goodness of God, praise him. Uh, Joe, we're thinking, we, are, we have been thinking about sort of financial sacrifice and financial provision, but it, it's, it's actually the whole of our lives. Um, Joe. Um, this story isn't as, uh, as amazing as and all the things too that Ruth has been through, but more perhaps something of kind of stepping through fear. Um, a while ago, we had a call from a good friend of ours saying that their son was hoping to come to university in London and was looking for somewhere to live. Did we know of anyone? And obviously, we sit in our massive house. Not as and many bedrooms. <laughs> yeah, clearly, there's better somewhere else. No gardener. No. <laughs> um, and I really wanted to be generous with uh, this friend's son because they'd been very generous to us um, when we lived in Exeter with them lots um, years ago. And, um, but I was quite worried, we've already got a lodger, we have another friend who lives, who stays with us a couple of uh, nights a week. And with our teenagers, I didn't want to impose upon them, because although obviously it is a big house, it's first and foremost their home. And we've had a few lodgers where it hasn't worked quite so well, and you know, it's a bit of an atmosphere. And I was just fearful for them of not wanting to impose on them as they grow up in their home first. Um, so it was a bit of a kind of, ooh, I, I really want to do this, but I'm not sure. And we obviously we talked about it with them. But then in the end, we just decided to kind of go for it. And actually, what we didn't know was that um, uh, Alex, this guy who now lives with us, has, has been the most extraordinary blessing to us as a family, to our children. Um, he is like a big brother to the girls, and he kind of, you know, is lovely and looks out for them and encourages them in as they're growing up into young women. And with our son, you know, he punches him and <laughs> sits on him, which is just what's needed for him. Um, but in many ways, too, he, he says to our son things like, oh, it's good to empty the dishwasher even if you haven't been asked and things like that, which obviously are priceless. Um, but it was... So in us just stepping out slightly and having an extra person living with us, we have been, you know, given so much more through Alex and that it was just a kind of an extraordinary uh, blessing from God to have Alex with us and looking back now thinking, oh, should we, shan't we? You know, it seems crazy, but it, it, we just needed to take that step of faith. And another thing that we hadn't realized is when we said yes to Alex, he... He had felt called by God to um, train to be a barrister, um, but he'd been offered to be sponsored through training to be a solicitor. And so um, what we hadn't realized in us being able to give him free accommodation was basically what swung it for him in being able to say yes to being a barrister rather than otherwise he couldn't have afforded it and would have gone, I'm sure he would have been a very good solicitor, but he has always felt called to be a barrister. And so that was just an aside that we hadn't realised, but, you know, God's, it's all part of God's plan. Yeah, amen. Amen, amen. Thank you, Joe. <laughs> just final story of uh, God's provision. It's uh, Lisa, married to, to Will. Hello. Um, I was working in financial recruitment um, when Will and I were engaged to be married. And... I decided that for me I needed to do something that was more in line with my faith and work for an organization where my values were more in tune with the organization and also I felt that before we got married I, I 
didn't think I would be able to be the wife I wanted to be if I was working regularly till nine o'clock at night, which wasn't unusual for me. So three days before we got married, I resigned from my job and um, um, was offered a job working at Spear, which is a, an organization in Hammersmith that works with young, unemployed um, people. And in doing that, I walked away from the biggest bonus that I'd ever earned um, and halved my salary. And obviously that was a pretty terrifying decision to make, but um, I knew that it was the right thing for me. Um, and we lived really richly in those the, the following 18 months um, from that. And I realized that the money that I'd been earning before was sort of facilitating a lifestyle choice that I didn't actually need and um, then became to realize that I didn't want. And then about 18 months later, Will was accepted for ordination and um, to go to the theological college. So we went to Cambridge and we went to the orientation day where you go in and you can ask questions and they tell you a little bit more about what it's going to be like. And I remember sitting in the um, lecture hall with the spouses and they were sort of telling me basically how much money that we would have to live on per week. Um, we were effectively going to be living on a student grant which is provided by the, um, by the diocese. And um, w I actually that day, to my shame, um, sat and wept because I was absolutely terrified. You know, how are we going to go from two professional salaries to living on a student grant and living on a week to pay all of our bills, which I would sort of spend in Sainsbury's on my way home after work. And um, I was just horrified. And um, a, a lady who I'd never met before, who actually um, has turned out to be one of our closest friends, and she's got the children now, turned around. And she, from the questions I'd been asking, I think she could probably gather that I was quite agitated by this <laughs> hideous prospect of what I thought was going to be financial poverty. And she said that she had a verse for me, and I'd just like to share that, if that's okay. Um, it's from Jonah, verse, chapter 2, verse 8. And it's, those who cling to worthless idols forfeit God's love for them. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit God's love for them. Um, and I'd just like to say that basically the following two, we, we then went to Cambridge. Um, we started there a few months later, and... I have never lived so richly as I did in those two years that we lived at Ridley. We never went without. We never wanted for anything. We lived in the most amazing community. Um, and I think that was, we just lived so richly. We didn't have money to get taxis home and stuff like that that we might have had before when we had a professional income. But um, it was just the most amazing time of God's provision. And... Um, you know, my, my mother's 1950s budgeting housekeeping skills might have helped in that. Um, but I could, I won't now, but I could tell you story after story after story of God's amazing provision and in being released from the fear of not having what I thought would be enough money. We were so blessed by it um, and had two amazing years. Wonderful. Praise God. Thank you. Let me just finish by saying next week is going to be, I think, one of the most exciting times because I'm, I'm just, there's going to be an invitation. I will, 
I'm going to invite you just to join into this adventure. Uh, the offering next week is going to be the whole of us. We'll have some kind of um, hamper or box here, and uh, rather than the sort of bags coming around, I'm just going to invite all of us to come up. Rather like in a minute, we will hear, we remember God's ultimate sacrifice through his son. And we'll, we'll bring the whole of our lives. It may be just appropriate for you to just come and say, Lord, I give myself to you. As it were, I step in the box. But there'll be an opportunity too to make financial pledges or to fill in uh, ways of serving in other ways, giving of our time and energy. Uh, we give to the giving God. We cannot outgive God. Test me in this. Uh, and there are stories like these and others that will resonate out of here as we take the risk, we break the fear, we smash the idols, and we give ourselves to God afresh. Amen? Amen, amen. amen.